Hello and welcome to the Franchise Tag Podcast with me, your host, Freddie Hall. I hope you're doing all okay out there. Welcome back to uh, my co-host, Adam. And we're also joined by Elvin Ryan, who is going to be talking to us about what some may say is, was the strangest pick in the NFL draft. I mean, it's not strange as Jordan Love being picked by the Green Bay Packers, Adam. I mean, we've not talked about it for a lot of episodes, Adam, so I had to give you a little dig in there about the Green Bay give Packers. Give it a rest. <laughs> <laughs> but at 28, the Saints who took defensive end Peyton Turner. Uh, we're going to be talking all about that, talking a bit about New Orleans Saints. But of course, I'll introduce Elvin Ryan, who is a news correspondent and expert ranker for Fantasy Pros, contributor for Team Rise and Fall, Elvin, I hope you're doing all okay. We are now just a very short time away from the NFL start. It's been a long summer, my friend. How are you feeling about the season? It has, man. I'm pumped. This is the first time, man, since I was a teenager, uh, that we're starting the season without Drew Brees. So it's (laughs) extremely different. Uh, I have, like, butterflies in my stomach. Like, I'm I'm a little nervous, um, but, but I'm excited, you know. I'd be nervous as well without Drew Brees and the Tom Brady in my division. But, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, Elvin. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, but first, we'll talk about, obviously, your your pick at 28, Peyton Turner. A surprising pick to a lot of people. A lot of people who probably never heard of Peyton Turner coming out of Houston, 22 years old, originally from Texas. Um His name gets called out on the night, Elvin. I don't know how I fair you are with the college stuff and everything like that, but... He gets called out. Everyone's a little bit, whoa, okay, they're going with Peyton Turner. Who is this guy? What was your reaction on the night to it all? Man, uh, whenever you've been, I guess, following Mickey Loomis for as long as I have, it's it's kind of hard to be shocked. Like, you're, you're kind of always looking at the front door, and then here he comes busting in through the back door. We've mm-hmm. seen this with Davenport a few years ago with that trade to the Packers. Um, but I wasn't completely shocked. I, I knew – that the, the Saints ha- hadn't gone um, with an offensive playmaker like everyone had mocked, uh, but once since 2008 and twice since 2011. So I knew we were either going offensive line or a defensive playmaker. That's that's what Mickey does. Those are the safe plays. Then he has a high hit rate later on in the rounds. Um, coming from like a need, we, we had lost Trey Hendrickson, lost Sheldon Rankins, Anumata's facing suspension, uh, it was definitely a need to get someone as versatile as Turner, six foot six, two hundred and seventy pounds, high motor playmaker. So I wouldn't say that I was shocked. Out, I, I guess I was just like, oh, there's Mickey. <laughs> um, how did you, you did you watch any of his tape at all? You know, in during his time in Houston. I mean, is there anything that impressed you about him, or anything that you're excited about him coming into the team? No, I mean. Prior to us drafting him, I hadn't watched him really at all. I mean, once we draft him, I go back and I watch all the guys that we draft. You know, pretty passionate uh, Saints fan. I I think, like I said, I mentioned earlier, he's extremely versatile. Like, he'll be able to – he can line up over the center or he he can stand up as an end. You you know what I'm saying? And those are things that the Saints need. You pair him with someone like Cam Jordan and Davenport, I mean, he he can wreak havoc. he, he did an incredible incredible job at, at Houston. He had 115 <clears throat> tackles. 68 of those were solo. That's a, that's extremely difficult for, for defensive linemen. A lot of their tackles come uh, together. So that means he, he's just getting back there faster than anyone. He's quicker off the line. I mean, he, he's just coming from a small school, and I think that's something that Mickey's like. So it, it didn't show any red flags or anything. I'm pretty excited about him. 
Well, I think what people forget is there is a lot of very, very good NFL players out there that came from small schools. The one yeah. in particular, in my mind, is Khalil Mack in Buffalo, obviously, which if 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 Peyton Turner can be like Khalil Mack, I think you'll be a very happy Saints fan. Um, how well do you think he will adapt into the NFL, given that he has a lot of a lot of veteran older people like Cameron Jordan and players like that who he's going to be able to learn off? And of course, a very experienced head coach in someone in Sean Payton. How much do you think he's going to learn off them guys and be able to adapt quickly into the NFL? Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to have to lean on those guys. Cam's one of the best. He's top five in my eyes. I think Pro Football Focus has him somewhere around seven or eight. But he, he came out of a bigger school uh, out of California. Davenport, just a couple of years ago, was almost in a near-identical situation. Now, we didn't trade up for Peyton Turner, uh, but we selected him, and it was kind of like the wow factor. For, mm-hmm. for the media and for fans watching, they were like, man, why are the Saints selecting this guy? So Davenport's kind of been in those shoes before where everyone's like waiting for him to be this bust. And I mean, um, Davenport kind of has been up to this extent, right? But I think Turner can learn a lot from this guy. He, he's extremely raw. Uh, that's the only thing I worry about. So he's going to have to listen to Cam and just follow what those guys say. Now, I know we've spoken about, you know, a lot of the positives and also having having them guys there is going to help him. I mean, do you feel that there's any weaknesses to his game or anything that you feel like the coaches are definitely going to need to like look at and, and sort of improve in his game in order for him to be good in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think he's a little too raw. Um, and sometimes talent just rises. But in other cases, those positions like, offensive line, defensive line, sometimes it doesn't matter. I mean, we saw Jadavian Clowney, right? Like one of the most raw players ever coming out of uh, South Carolina. And it, it took him years to live up to his draft capital. Like the the, the uh, trenches are a place where technique means so much. So I think it's going to it's gonna take a pretty good coach to get the best out of uh, Turner. But um, outside of that, I mean, I don't like that he's banged up in camp right now. I don't think that's ever a good sign for for a rookie whenever they spend as many days not practicing as he has. Is That only slows down the process of him making an immediate impact and living up to that first round draft capital. Do you think there is pressure on him then to live up to that first round draft draft pick capital? Like, I, it, it is a pressure that all players get. And we, we just come off recording the Buffalo Bills episode, actually talking about Gregory Rousseau. And we're saying about... Is there that pressure on him to be immediately impact straight away? Because they're in the Super Bowl run, really. Their 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 bubble is very much the here and now. I'd say the Saints is maybe not so much anymore, but without Drew Brees. But however, you know, you are still going to be a contender and still a very decent team. But given he was a first round pick, given that no one had really heard of him and really thought it was him as a first round pick, do you think there is that? Do you think his expectations are a bit tampered with that? And and is there that expectation that and that pressure for him to be? Not an instant impact, but live up to that hype as a first-round pick. I, I think so. I, I think any time that a team selects a player that no one's really heard of, mm. uh, I, I think all eyes are on that guy. We, we wouldn't be talking about him today today if it was someone like Joke, right? Because we expected him to go uh, in that first round. So whenever you select someone like Peyton Turner, I think all eyes are on him. Like, were the Saints geniuses? Were they morons? Um so I think I think a lot of eyes are on him. I think he does have to uh, to live up to that. 
What do you think that the Saints saw in him? What do you think was the reason that they they went for him? Because, you know, as we've all said, it is kind of a bit of a, a little bit of a surprise pick. But like, I mean, was there anything in particular? Or do you think it was more of a like a positional need kind of pick? Yeah. I mean, uh, losing someone like Trey Hendricks, who led all defensive ends uh, in sacks. Uh, I mean, that's that's tough. So uh, maybe Sean Payton and Mickey were biting on the bit a little bit, like, man, we have to find the next Hendrickson, right? And maybe they reached a little, maybe they could have waited on Turner to come back to him in the second. Who knows if he would have been there. Uh, those are kind of ifs, ands, and buts. But I think filling, filling that void opposite of Cam Jordan, knowing that, hey, look, Drew's gone. Maybe the, the window's pretty much all but closed, like, you have to go fill those voids that got you to where you were last year whenever you won the, the NFC South. So, I don't know. It, is this a little bit about, because obviously with Drew Brees gone, it does feel like that is, he is that he was the be all end all of New Orleans Saints football. And, and rightly so, he's been such a legend of the game. He's a Hall of Famer for you guys. Now that he's gone, we're picking players that we're maybe taking risks on and things like that. Is there a little bit of a moment now where you say about Mickey Loomis taking them chances on players? Is this going to be a bit of an experimental period for the Saints? You've got a quarterback thing going on with his Jameis Winston, our guy. I know Taysom Hill, some people are saying he, he might be the guy, doubtful in my mind. But is there maybe a little bit of an experimental thing here going on with the Saints where it's like, okay, well, we've had our Super Bowl role. Let's do some little thing, bits and bobs that we can do to maybe see if we can get these diamonds in the rough. We can get these players who people don't expect much of to be these phenomenal talents. And then when we get the quarterback that we know wants to be our quarterback, we're then going to have a team full of guys that we spent little capital on maybe. I know first-round pick's first-round pick, but little capital and, and and we've got these diamonds in the rough who have really came to the forefront. Do you think there is that sort of moment there for the Saints here? Uh, I, I don't think Mickey's looking at it as an experiment. I mean, mm. you look at Michael Thomas, he was a second-round pick, Alvin Kamara, third round. Like These are guys that, that people kind of looked at us and were like, why are you selecting Alvin Kamara in the third? Now he's become a, one of the best backs uh, in the league. I, I think the Saints have always kind of gone against the grain. I, I don't think they've ever looked at a mock draft and been like, oh, this is where I sh where we should go. Like, I think they stay as far away from what we call, like in the fantasy world, ADP as possible, and they just go off of their gut. Um, they've had a lot more hits than misses. I mean – Probably the most recent miss would be like Stefan Anthony out of Clemson. But I mean, everyone had him mocked really high and he kind of fell to the Saints. So um, I, I don't think it's an experiment. It's just this is Mickey Loomis. Mm. Do you feel that um, maybe the way forward would have been to go for an, a, more, a more offensive pick? I mean, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, that wide receiver, obviously given what's happened to Michael Thomas, you are a little bit short there now as well. But do you feel that would have been a better move? Yeah. Uh, I think that the Saints possibly could have gone uh, for the first time since 2011 after a offensive weapon. I think Bateman was their guy and they had the eyes and the Ravens sniped them the pick before. I, mm -hmm. I kind of thought maybe they could have gone Elijah Moore, but I, I really think the Saints know what they have in Marcus uh, Callaway. I've been hyping him up all, all offseason. Been to camp. The guy's incredible. We saw the uh, first few snaps of the preseason, him against the Ravens' first string. You know what I mean? 
he's kind of the real deal. But I, I do believe that in life after Breeze, I mean, the last Breeze has blown through New Orleans, that regardless whether it's Taysom or whether it's Jameis, these are two quarterbacks that are no, they're not Hall of Famers. They're not future Hall of Famers. They're not Drew Brees. You, you have to help these guys. And, and I mean, we, we have Alan Kamara. We have one of the deepest uh, running back cores. We have a great offensive line. I think Trotman's pretty good, but we, we are kind of a uh, little skinny whenever it comes to the receiver. So I would have loved for them to go with someone like Elijah Moore. I, th- I think next offseason, if, if Callaway and Traquan don't really have a breakout here, that we will see the Saints go there in the first round. We're giving a little bit of unfair coverage to your man Ian Book here. I mean, we've not even mentioned Ian Book. There's another guy. I know we're talking about Peyton Turner, but we've got to give him a little bit of uh, of light here. I mean, he was, uh, oh, I don't know where he was, pit, fourth round pick now. Um is he a guy that maybe is being seen in the future here as well, coming out of this draft? Or it was that a we'll see how it goes sort of thing? I don't know. I mean, they've done this a few times. Um, mm. Sean has, has definitely drafted quite a few quarterbacks while, while Drew was there, some of them as high as the second round, you know, preparing they were all supposed to be that guy, and it never worked out. Uh, Sean always loves to say that the guy's already in the building, right? And whether that's Taysom – or Winston, he stood true to his word. He said the guy was in the building. I know that he's kind of in love with Trevor Simeon. We didn't see as much of him the other night as we would. I know we've all already seen him. Um, but Ian Book, I think he, he probably spends the rest of his career as like a backup. Um, mm-hmm. Best case scenario, maybe in three years, maybe he does get a chance to start. But I, I, th- I, I look at him a lot like a um, – a Taysom complex, not the fact that he can run or do the things that Taysom can do, but the fact that he, he's maybe just a winner and not as great of a quarterback, and teams don't like that. So I, I don't see it. So who who do you think will be the guy that's going to start? I mean, because there has been a lot of talk about Jameis and Taysom, who, which one is going to take it as the starting job? And, you know, they both have different attributes. I mean, which one would you go for? I say give Taysom the chance. I mean, he was three and one. We we played some poor teams, but I, I don't think he did enough to lose the job. I think, I mean, a lot of people think that Winston did better the other night. But if you watch it, I mean, the, the one interception that Taysom threw, Montgomery completely stopped on a drag route, allowed that to get picked off. Other than that, he goes five for five on that first drive. They're inside the 10 when Latavius Murray fumbles. Maybe Taysom caps that drive off with a touchdown. He's five for five with a TD whenever they pull him. Who knows, right? Um, everyone's kind of giving the edge to Winston because he, he has the history as a as a quarter. He's quarterback uh, in the league. He's led the league in passing yards. He's led it in touchdowns. But I just say, like, hey, you went with Taysom last year. He, he got you to three and one. Why not give him the start at the beginning of the year? And, hey, if it doesn't work the bye weeks in week six, Let's roll with Winston after that. Now, it'd be stupid of us to get you on and not talk about fantasy football. I mean, let's all, all three of us play it. Some are better than others. Some have won the league a couple of times. Some haven't won the league a couple of times. I've got Adams actually joining my original league this year, which should be good fun for him. Um, Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, are they, they guys I should be looking at drafting? You need to really sell them to me here, man, because if I'm getting some deep rounds, I've got to beat these other suckers that I'm in the league with. And... 
not going to say that you won me the league or you lost me the league, but if I go for Traquan Smith and he doesn't perform, or Marquez Callaway and he doesn't perform, I'm going to be blaming you a lot, Elvin. I'm afraid I'm yeah. going to have to blame <laughs> you. But what 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 are the positives I should, am I seeing from them this year? Well, you're going to spend a, a whole lot higher draft capital on Traquan Smith, a guy that every single breakout article that you've read the last three, four years has said that this was the year and he always let you down. And <laughs> yeah. I think it's time to just leave him in that closet, let someone else deal with him. Uh, Marquez Callaway, you're going to be able to get him on your very last pick, unless I continue to hype him up on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's the guy. I, I mean, he he's, he's so impressive. Like, it, his hands are so strong. I mean, he's Taysom's favorite weapon. I don't know. I haven't seen him play much with, uh, with Winston. Even at camp, it kind of seems like – Winston is uh, is going to Little Humphreys and Traquan Taysom goes after Callaway, but Callaway has made the more impressive plays to me. Draft capitals less, bigger body. Re- he's the real fill in for for Michael Thomas. How do you feel that it's um, that the Saints are going to deal with Michael Thomas now? Because obviously, like last year, missed a lot of time. Now he's picked up this injury and it looks like, you know, the whole surgery thing was a bit, when, is, when was it going to happen? No one seemed to know. I mean, do you, do you feel that, that, that it's time to move on? Do you feel that it, it's reached that point with him? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that the, the, the Saints can afford it. Uh, we're living in salary cap hell because of Drew Brees and his, Refusal to take a team-friendly deal. I mean, at the end, he kind of helped us out a little here and there. But, I mean, Drew Brees made more money than anyone over the span of their career ever. Um, So we're kind of living in the salary cap hell of that. If we were to go ahead and say, all right, Michael Thomas, we're trading you tomorrow, uh, that just puts us in in an even deeper (laughs) hole, right? And Mickey, like – he, he he doesn't want to admit it. So he, he takes out loans to pay off credit card debt. Then he takes out another <laughs> loan to pay off that loan. And he loves to kick that can down the road. But eventually that, that time's going to come. And I, I think if we, we trade uh, Thomas, regardless of what we get in return, because, I mean, I think we could get a, an absolute haul, uh, he, he would destroy us uh, financially. And I don't think the Saints would be contenders for another decade. It's going to be it's going to be weird with Drew Brees not being at the Saints. I mean, how much does that guy mean to the city of New Orleans? He came at you at a time that was so hard for the city of New Orleans. Obviously, just after Hurricane Katrina, um, a torrid time, a time that New Orleans has risen from the flames from it, and is a is a is a great city full of great people. Um, how truly sorely is he going to be missed in that in the Mercedes Benz Stadium uh, this year? Yeah, man, I, I got goosebumps, you know. I mean, Drew means everything to us. He he really did come to us. Uh, my childhood house, we, we ended up moving to Pensacola uh, my freshman year of high school because uh, my mom's house completely slid off the, the off the uh, slab. I mean, the roof was over the uh, – I mean, the, the water was over the roof, about 14 foot of water. Um, it, it was a madhouse, only miles away from where the – the levee broke uh, in Araby, Louisiana. So when it, whenever Drew came to us, I mean, football was always something that I kind of clinched onto, grasped onto. I remember watching uh, the, the Raiders-Saints preseason game 
in August of 2005. I remember my mom, my aunts and all them, they're all crying and stuff. I didn't grasp the whole concept of it. You know I mean? I I still just that immature mind of of a 14 year old kid. Um, But, but whenever we got home and we got to see all that and then Drew kind of came in and, and rescued us, you know, and uh, he took us to, to places that we had never been. I mean, pigs fly, and <laughs> it was incredible. I, we, we owe everything to Drew Brees, and I think we mean a lot to him as well because, I mean, people had kind of written him off from his shoulder uh, injury. But, man, words can't descri- describe what Drew Brees means to this city, me as a person, or I'm sure millions of others here in uh, Louisiana. Can I ask, do you, do you feel that the team did everything possible for him in order to try and get another ring? I mean, you know, because he only got the one, didn't he? I mean, do you, do you feel that they they really put everything into it for him? So, says, says the Green Bay Packers yeah. fan. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, that's tough. You know, it, it's kind of hard to, to know what would have happened following that Super Bowl had the, the bounty gate not happened, right? The the mm suspension of Sean Payton for an entire season. Um, Drew Brees still threw for over 5,000 yards that season, right? What's he do if Sean Payton is in the house? Um, the loss of our – probably one of our better defensive coordinators we've ever had. We lost him. Like, everyone was suspended. We lost key components on that defensive side for four, eight, 16 games uh, that season due to suspension. Who knows what happens in those two years following that, uh, if that doesn't happen. And then I think later on in Drew Brees' career, we, we had a resurgence where we, we, we had the team to beat. Uh, we, we watched ourselves lose in the divisional round to the 49ers on a last pass to Vernon Davis. Literally, I mean, with like 30 seconds left, we, we've all seen the, the Minnesota miracle. Still makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, the no call. So I'm not going to say that. It, it, I'm not going to put that on Mickey Loomis or Sean Payton for not doing enough to get him there. We, we were there. We, we were there three or four times later in Drew Brees' career. And just luck didn't swing our way. Maybe, maybe we sold sold it all for that one in uh, 2010, and if that's the case, then I, I'm happy with it. But I, I, I wouldn't say that they didn't do enough. Hmm. Like I said a couple of questions ago, we've got a fantasy football man yourself. We've got to ask you a couple of questions on that to give us this edge to go and win our leagues and to go and do well out there. We also had, um, God, his name's just completely gone. Who was it, Adam? Who came on the fantasy football oh, uh, with Betts. Caroline? Matthew Betts. We also yeah. asked him the same sort of question. Uh, who is a sleeper for you this year? Who should we be looking at? What what player are you eyeing up in their mid-rounds that is going to get you a ton of points? Uh, well, I mean, I, I really like uh, Daryl Henderson going in the fifth, as well as Mike Davis. Uh, I think those are two guys that are poised to see 15, 20 touches a game. They're going a little far behind maybe because, I mean, a- Akers was the guy. People feel like Sean McVay doesn't really believe in Henderson because he, he drafted Akers, and that's fine and all. But who, who's taking touches from, from Henderson? Henderson is the guy. That's why they're not playing him in the preseason or anything like that. He's their guy. That That's Sean McVay's workhorse this season. So he's got a path there. So for one of them to be drafted in the top six, seven running backs of the, of the first round, and now another one's being drafted at running back 23, same offense, same scenario. Hmm. I don't think the talent gap is that big. 
from Akers to Henderson. I mean, I'm not saying that Henderson is right there with Akers because Akers is definitely more talented. Don't think the gap is worth four or five rounds. And then Mike Davis, I mean, he's in a historically great offense last year. I think they were like kind of middle of the pack. Uh, but that that's kind of an outlier year for the Falcons compared to what we've known the better half of a decade or so. So he's the guy on a high octane offense. They're both going in the fifth. Why not? Is there any uh, sort of sleepers, anyone that's sort of low down that, you know, that you feel that can really make an impact on, on your team? Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned Marquez Callaway. I won't leave a draft without him. He's my last pick. Uh, Love Dan Arnold. Uh, as a late, late tight end. I mean, you can get him as your very last pick. Uh, I talked about Gronk and Jared Cook earlier. Those guys are going in the 13th round. They, they have huge upside. I mean, mm. they're, they're getting older. Uh, they're going to have some injuries along the way, but they're, they're going to offer you huge upside, especially uh, Cook in, in that offense over there. I, I don't believe in Mike Williams like a lot of people. So I think it's Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and then – It'll be Jared Cook. They have the Saints offensive coordinator that we've had for, for quite a few years. Now we, we know what they like to do. They, they like to get the running backs, the, the ball right out of the backfield, like we've fed it to Alvin Kamara, and then we like to force feed it to tight end. So I think Jared Cook could be in for a big year. Can I have the exact same feeling about Jared Cook? He's got his feeling about it, but he's going to be really good there. Can I just quickly ask? I mean, a lot of. Um, fancy analysts sort of they prescribe by the idea of taking the running backs early um that there is a significant drop off um once you start reaching uh players like henderson in the fifth or something like that i mean is that something that you believe or do you feel that actually you can still go out and you know get these really really good wide receivers early on and still have a really good team Hey, I mean, last year in the Scott Fishbowl 10, uh, I finished, I think, fifth out of uh, over 1,400. I went complete uh, running back, uh, like zero RB. So I went just wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Darren Waller in the fourth. I didn't take my first running back until the fifth, right where Henderson and Davis are going. Last year I was able to get Carson there, uh, followed by like Hunt. I was able to sneak McKissick later on. Those guys, I mean, that ended up being three top 15 uh, running backs at the end of the season. So it works out for you. Historically, I, I do think there is a there's a huge drop off. Uh, but I, I think the position's growing. I, I think it's deeper than previous years. Maybe we say that every year. But uh, I don't think that you should stick yourself in anything like, OK, first round, I'm going running back wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, then I'm grabbing a tight end or a quarterback. Like, I, I think you really, like, crush yourself there um, whenever you do something like that. All my drafts I, I do based on my own rankings. I, I have quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and even kickers in those, and I have them in tiers. And I try to get players in the highest tier possible. So if I'm picking in the seventh slot, I'm already down to the end of tier two running backs in most situations. So why am I going to take that guy and lose the competitive edge to, to my uh, league mates and just take a lesser running back? Um, when I mean, I know I get to pick a little sooner in the second, but 
why not just grab a, a Travis Kelsey who's guaranteed to be a top three tight end, right? Um, mm. And that position there gives you the biggest positional advantage of all other positions. It's a very shallow position. So it, it's it's deep for about if, – if you're looking for eight to ten points, it's an extremely deep position. But if you're looking for someone to give you meaningful 16 to 22 points a, a week, it, it really falls off after three, and then you have a few hopefuls from about four to seven. So why not just take a Kelsey there? I don't think you should lock yourself in. Who were your three wide receivers then that you took before Darren Waller and Chris Carson? Man. <laughs> now, now, now I'm testing you. <laughs> I, I can't even remember. Uh, I could pull it up. Send it to you after this. Well, um, they, they were clearly but, good because you, you went a very long distance in the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, no, no, no. So I, I think I, so I went, I actually didn't go water. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I went Ky, Kyler, no, Dak, Kyler, Hopkins, Waller, and then Carson. That was super, my first super, five picks. super flex. Yeah, super flex. Yeah. yeah. So those That's, are my uh, top five picks. But that, that is yeah. a strong top five picks. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, we will just have one more question for you. We have had a comment on the Facebook where this is going live out, and it is uh, for uh, any good tips for a girlfriend desperately wanting to kick some fantasy ass this time. Oh, what man. would you be her advice for this day's advice for what well, seems like she's played fantasy before, but what, what tips advice would you give to them? What tips? Uh, yeah, I, I already kind of said it. Don't lock yourself into any one strategy. Be ready to pivot. Um, I think about it as if you're, if you're going to war and you, you draw it all out and then, Hey, like these guys aren't where you thought they were. You, you got to kind of pivot. So uh, do, do as many mock drafts as you can. Uh, prepare yourself for, for where you think people are going to fall, but be ready to pivot. That's that's why you need to do as many as you can to where you kind of know what you're going to do in this situation. If if Zeke isn't here, if Alvin isn't here, where am I going? Where am I going with my next? So the more mock drafts you do, the better. Um, that would be my advice. And the, the biggest thing you said, yes, fantasy football is a war. It's a battle zone. It it's no <laughs> it retreat, is. no surrender. <laughs> No free giveaways either. Um, Elvin, I really appreciate you coming on, my man. Um, where can we find all your stuff online, your articles and things like that? Yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Elvin Ryan underscore FF. I'm on Team Rise and Fall. Haven't done too much work there, but I'm putting out stuff daily on uh, Fantasy Pros. Awesome. Well, Fantasy Pros is a fantastic site for you fantasy yeah. footballs out there. Elvin, again, Thank you so much for coming on. We are coming nearly to the end of the future of the franchise series. It's been a long old summer. We've just had some preseason games. So NFL is now causing for our veins. It's back better than ever. Talking about fantasy football makes it even closer because our drafts are happening soon. You've probably been in drafts already. It's just one little step away before the NFL season starts again. And boy, are we excited. But until then, keep watching the Franchise Tag podcast. Keep sharing us. Keep subscribing, liking our videos on YouTube and also on uh, social media as well. And we'll see you all very soon.